This segment of Off the Hosel is powered by SaskGolfer.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode number 10 of Off the Hosel. My name is Drew Koser, and I am your host. I hope everyone enjoyed um, the last uh, few episodes. I hope everyone's enjoying the podcast thus far. I know I'm really having a good time uh, doing these for you guys. Reminder, check us out on uh, Apple iTunes. Uh, like, uh, subscribe, rate us, uh, Anchor, and Spotify. Check out those uh, different apps. I really appreciate a lot of the support I've been um, getting so far. It's it's really uh, overwhelming, and I appreciate it. So I hope you guys are, like I said, uh, enjoying the podcast. Check out the Facebook page, at Off The Hosel, and the Twitter page, underscore Off The Hosel. Write in your comments, questions, concerns. We will try and get to all those comments, and we'll try and uh, answer as soon as possible. On to today's guest. He's a beauty. He's got multiple course records. 61 at the Royal Regina. 62 at the Murray Golf Club. 62 at Yorkton. 66 in Nippon. Also won that tournament. Six hole-in-ones. He was a part of one Willing Cup team. My old boss. Currently the head professional at the Royal Regina Golf Club. And sometimes we're even line mates in rec hockey. I'm joined by today with Mr. Dean Brown. Let's head to that interview now. Hope you guys enjoy. This segment of Off the Hustle is brought to you by Brownies Golf Shop at the Royal Regina, Southern Saskatchewan's premier custom club fitters. Using FlightScope and GC Quad technology, Brownies Golf Shop will give you the high-performance club fitting you need for that new driver or set of irons. Offering a full line of clubs featuring Titleist, Ping, Callaway, TaylorMade, Cobra, and Srixen at the best prices. Brownies Golf Shop High-performance club fitting to help you enjoy the game. Contact Dean at RoyalRegina.com to book your fitting or yardage gapping appointment. I am joined now with the man that I can say is one of the best players I've got to see play. Most humble, all-around great person. Also the man who gave me one of my first jobs, Mr. 61, downtown Dean Brown. How the heck are you? I'm doing great. That's, uh, that's a nice intro there, Drew. No problem. I, uh, yeah, you're an absolute beauty, Dino. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun. So, um, what are you up to these days? And, yeah, like, what are you doing right now during COVID? <laughs> well, this is, uh, this is interesting times for all of us. Uh, everybody's finding their own way to cope, I guess. Um, normally, I'd be going full tilt out here at the golf course and getting the shop ready to go and everything set up for the season and tournaments all set up and we're just completely on hold with all that so you know i'm uh, half time in here and full-time uh, homeschooling two kids and i've got a r- lot greater appreciation for for teachers i know just from teaching kids golf i know i could never be a teacher in a classroom <laughs> uh teaching them a sport is one thing but teaching them some of that other stuff that they may not be 100 percent into is is challenging and Let's just say we've had some suspensions in uh, homeschool this week. So I wanted to ask, I mean, like, 
obviously, I mean, I announced earlier this week on the podcast, uh, Kamloops has now uh, started to open up some golf courses. Do you have any idea or much of an idea or no? You know, we're just going by, we're, we're strictly going by what the, the health authorities are telling us and the government. And it's just speculation at this point. Uh, obviously, when, when they give us the green light to go, golf is certainly going to look a little different. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of guidelines in place with social distancing and and uh, just making sure that when we get out of this, we don't go back into it. And you know, we want we want everybody to be safe, and we want we we certainly think golf will, will be something that we can do when we come out of it. But uh, we're definitely going to uh, we're definitely going to default to what uh, to what the the smart people out there in the in the health industry know. And and when they give us the green light, we'll be ready for them. So I wanted to ask, uh, you were a junior at the Roller Denner Golf Club, uh, smashing golf balls while working at the club. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't, uh, have the pleasure of working out there when you guys had the range, uh, range shed. Uh, how was that? Yeah, you know, I was really fortunate when I got that gig, uh, I actually started on my 19th birthday, uh, working for Gordy Burgess. Uh, they had a, a kid walk out on him and needed someone to fill the shift and I just happened to be hanging around the pro shop. They asked me if I wanted to go out and cover the range for a few hours. So I did. And the next thing you know, here we are 27 years later and I'm still here. (laughs) So yeah, I I started at the entry and made my way through, uh, worked a long time for Gord Burgess. Uh, he's a real mentor for me in the golf industry and, and a good friend of mine. And, you know, we shared a lot of a lot of years together grinding out in this business, and uh, yeah, it's it's hard when you say it like that. Twenty seven years at one place, it's pretty crazy. So, for people that don't know, um, Dino and myself are absolutely gross line mates in hockey. Um, <laughs> who got you into the game, and what other sports were you uh, into growing up? Who got me into golf? Yeah. I don't know. Golf just sort of found me, I guess. Uh, my parents didn't play. Um, I think it was about my 12th birthday. My dad took me to to the Regent Par 3 for my birthday, and him and I went out and had a blast. Uh, didn't play another round of golf until my 13th birthday, and I asked him that year. I said, you know, that was a lot of fun. Can we do that again? So, yeah, we went out. Uh, that time he took me to the Lakeview, the 18-hole Par 3. And then that summer, I started going to the par three with a couple of buddies and progressed, uh, you know, to playing at the Murray and Tor Hill and the Regina. And then it was uh, when I was uh, 16 when I joined joined out here at the Royal as a junior and uh, just sort of took off from there. So did you know right away, like, hey, this is kind of like awesome. And I mean, obviously, you're a hell of a player and everyone knows that. Uh, like you want to play, whether it's tour or play a golf or a job. I mean, like when did that come into play? Again, that just sort of fell into play. You know, I, like I said, I was out here three, four years before I started working here, uh, going to university and didn't really know, you know, I was in engineering at the time and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And, uh, I hadn't really had a whole lot of success at golf at that time. And, uh, you know, I started started working just as a summer job really while I was going to school it wasn't till uh after three years of I guess it was yeah three years I worked on the range in that little shed and basically just crushing chips and pop 
just yeah, <laughs> had the odd odd pop and a couple of bags of chips, but hit literally hit you know a thousand golf balls every day I worked. Uh, Gordy was awesome for that as long as you had everything taken care of and and uh, had the place manned and the balls picked and washed and clean. He didn't he didn't care if you hit balls while you're waiting for the next customer to come along. Nice. So you know I was get essentially I was getting paid to to hit balls and and do my job and I did that for a number of years and started to understand where the ball was going and figured out how to score a little bit and sort of started progressing uh, towards playing a lot more competitively. In 1995, the year I was born, um, <laughs> <laughs> you were part of the Willing Cup team in Toronto. Uh, how was that trip? Any good stories you can remember? And, and how was the golf? Well, the golf was awesome. I remember that as being... Uh, uh, you know, that was my first trip. I've been to Toronto a few times. I have relatives down there to go to ball games and all that kind of stuff. Never, never been there to golf. So we went down and, uh, Wayne Joyce was our chaperone. There was, uh, Cam Berg and Marty ring, uh, Kenny Rogers and myself were the team that year. And it was just all in golf. We played golf every day. We played a ton of different courses. Unfortunately, we all missed the cut. Uh, at that time, it was uh, top 64 went into match play after the two rounds of the Wellington Cup. Uh, I missed match play by one shot, and that was pretty uh, disappointing. I think. Yeah, no kidding. If I remember, I think I had six three putts over the first two day over the two rounds, and three putted the last hole. So it was pretty easy to find where that one shot was that I could have could have made it to match play. But you know, after we were all out. You know, Wayne was fantastic with getting us on all these golf courses in the Toronto area. Uh, we played Lion's Head. We played uh, Hamilton Golf and Country Club. We played Credit Valley. We played Mississauga Country Club. Like, And the tournament itself is at the Toronto Golf Club, which is awesome. It, it, was a, it was a really good experience. It certainly wasn't a wild experience. I don't have any wild and crazy tales from that week. Uh, probably just because it was my first Nationals and I was young and I you know took it pretty serious i guess and as really you should though yeah 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 as you should but once we were out maybe a guy could have ventured out a little bit more but that was just that was just the crew we were with we were just strictly about the golf and we had a we had a really good trip so you went down to college uh what was your first experience like I, i've talked to a few people off the uh, record and they wanted me to ask about a uh, walter payton <laughs> So, yeah, back in 94, I guess this was, uh, you know, there's the Internet was just a, well, I don't even think it was around yet. <laughs> maybe just uh, NASA had it, maybe. I don't know. So, you know, for a guy my age, you'd have some, some success in amateur golf and, you know, wanting to go down and play some college golf. I just went down to the bookstore, Cole's Books, bought this college prospects book that had a list of all the coaches, and I started writing letters. And, uh, you know, I got some offers, and most of them were, you know, come on down, pay 50000 bucks for your tuition, and here's the open tryout day for the golf team. You can come on out and try. But there was some interest from a few schools, and, uh, you know, I got a call from uh, Eddie Payton. Uh, Eddie Payton is a coach at Jackson State, uh, you know, as my dad actually had heard of him cause he played in the CFL a bit and then kind of started thinking, well, maybe, maybe he's related to Walter Payton. And sure enough, we did a little research and realized he was Walter's brother and he ran the golf program at Jackson state. 
Oh wow! So uh, he offered me uh, he offered me a scholarship to come down and play. I didn't take a visit uh, at that time, and you know, it just it was all new to myself and my family, and we just sort of talked to people and we made this decision, and so. I hopped in a plane and away I went down to Jackson, Mississippi. The only thing I knew was that uh, he told me his mama was going to pick me up. <laughs> so I, I take about five connections to get to Jackson, Mississippi, and I get off this little puddle jumper of a plane that I think we took from Memphis into this little Mickey Mouse airport, and there's one lady there, and it's Mama Peyton. So... <laughs> I throw all my stuff in her. She's driving this big-ass convertible Cadillac. I, I throw all my stuff in this Cadillac, and we head back to back to her place. And at that time, the rest of the team hadn't got there yet. I actually got in two days early, and NCAA rules, they have a lot of weird rules. One of them yeah. is you can't, can't go into your dormitory until a certain date. Well, I, I got there two days early, so I got there before everybody else. So... Uh, Eddie was on this hunting trip, and so I was going to stay with his mom until I could move into the dorms or their, our facility. So well, we go back to her place, and she says, yeah, I'm going to go take a nap here. Just uh, Eddie's out hunting with the governor, and when he gets back, he'll give you a tour. Great. <laughs> All right, so I sit down, in the, sit down in the den of Mama Peyton's house, and this place is like, it, it's like a... Uh, Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame, NFL, CFL. There are footballs everywhere, you know. Like, there's quite a bit of Eddie stuff. Yeah. You know, he, he was a special teams guy, so there was a lot of footballs with 100-yard, 110-yard kick return touchdowns. And then there was just piles of Walter Payton stuff, you know. All his records through college, through high school. Stuff that probably a lot of people don't get to see, you know. from when Yeah, he was no kidding. Before he got to the NFL and all that. Just tons of cool stuff. And, you know, I got immersed in that for probably a good hour, not even really realizing how long it had been. And, uh, you know, just looking at all this super cool stuff, thinking, wow, this is cool. I'm in the house where Walter Payton grew up. Uh, notice through the window this big truck pull into the driveway, and I went, okay. Coach here it is. <laughs> yeah, here it is. So I was sitting in the chair at the time or whatever, so I stand up. I'm going to go greet this guy that I've never met before at the door and all of a sudden the door kicks wide open and this guy comes flying in in this blue tracksuit and gives me this spinning roundhouse kick that I swear like the Matrix this thing was in slow motion as it went by my nose and misses my nose by <laughs> and he's like what the hell are you doing in my mama's house white boy and I'm like and of course now I'm like I'm freaking out. I'm shitting my pants. This is like, <laughs> whoa, what is happening here? And then this cackle of a laugh in the background starts up, and in comes Eddie Payton, Coach Eddie Payton, and he is giggling and laughing, and I just, I'm in shock. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> killed me. I want to go home. Take me home right now. And, I, and, then, and then as I'm sort of coming out of shock, I realize, holy shit, that's... Walter Payton that just about kicked me in the face. And so before Coach Eddie Payton introduces himself, Walter Payton introduces himself to me, laughing his ass off, shaking my hand. Boy, I scared you white boy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just an unbelievable icebreaker and and just uh, just a crazy, 
crazy first few hours, you know. And then the wild thing is, I he was in town to they went hunting with the governor. I lived with Mama Peyton and Walter for two days, and you know, I <laughs> hung around with them, went grocery shopping and everything. And you know, I'm sure Danny Morin and uh, Johnny Greeno will be pretty choked to hear this, but I was hanging out with Walter Peyton for two days, and I never got an autograph. Never got never got anything. Didn't get him to sign a hat. Didn't get him to sign. It. I just for whatever reason, I never thought of it. And you were scared to ask. <laughs> to ask maybe who knows and then, you know later i find out when i'm in when i move in with the team that there's guys that have been on that team for three and four years that have never met walter and this he doesn't come down there very often and here i am first little uh, rookie on the team and i've spent two days with walter payton a guy that a lot of the guys have been begging his brother to bring him down to meet so that was pretty cool pretty cool that's crazy story wow well, I also wanted to ask too. I mean, you also got to play around with Tiger. Uh, I mean, we've talked about that off the air, but like, how is that? I mean, playing around with Tiger Woods. Well, obviously now it means a lot more than it did at that time. Uh, you know, at that time, uh, Tiger Woods was a hot shot kid out of California. You know, there's there's a, one of those every year. Yeah. Uh, a couple of the guys on our golf team were from California, and they knew him. And they played all their junior golf with them, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you're playing with Tiger. He's gonna kick your ass. He's, you know, he's probably not gonna say much." Blah blah blah. But it, it certainly wasn't. It certainly wasn't what Tiger Woods is now. You know, yeah. I, you know, I knew he was good. He'd won a U.S. Amateur, and obviously, he's really good. Uh, there's no question of that. But at that time, did I think this guy's gonna be the greatest golfer ever? You know, you had no certainly, idea. Certainly, be in the conversation about who the greatest player of all time is. No, I didn't at that time. I didn't know that, but you know, now at least I can, uh, I can look back and say, Hey, I played, played one round of golf before <laughs> anyone really knew who he was. Didn't Certainly s- no one in Canada knew who he was at that time. Really? Well, that's a, uh, that's quite the college story and experience. I mean, um, but I, I wanted to move on to some of your pro life here. Yeah. Um, from 2001 to 2018, you were the zone champion eight times as well as the assistance champion nine times. Um, when did you really figure out how to win and do it, do it so regularly? Because I'm still trying to figure that out. Well, it, you know, winning is uh, winning is a process. Um, you know, I was uh, I was playing in pro tournaments for five years before I won one. Um, when I first started, we had an assistance tour. Uh, which was just for assistant pros. So that certainly was because you were, at least you were playing with other guys that were in the same boat as you that were just getting started out in the business. And yeah. I think I had, I won a couple of those before I ever won one that was a full field of all the Saskatchewan PGA members. Um, and, you know, winning is just winning. Sometimes you win and sometimes, sometimes people lose and you win. Um, you got to get yourself into position. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I learned to win or if I just, if you put in the time and you put in the practice and you believe in yourself. And for me, I love tournament golf. It's why I got into this business. Uh, I love competition. I obviously love winning, but I, I just, I love competition. And, uh, you know, winning uh, winning was just a nice thing that came with all the hard work I put in. You know, I, I learned a learned a lot from playing playing with uh, a lot of guys that 
I never probably would, well, for sure I would never have met if I wouldn't have got into this business. And not just pros, you know, a lot of, a lot of amateurs when I was, when I was younger that were, uh, that were dominating the amateur scene at the time, getting a chance to play with, uh, I had a number of, uh, my last couple of years as an amateur, good battles with, uh, uh, Johnny Greeno's dad, Mark and, uh, Randy Gillowich. Okay. Uh, you know, playing with those guys, totally different for me. You know, they're quite a bit older. They maybe didn't hit it as far, but they knew how to win. And you just watch what other people do and figure out what you need to do. And, and you got to put in the time and you got to believe in yourself. And, and there's some skill involved. You still, you got to be able to hit shots. You got to be able to control your emotions. So when did you start to, I mean, obviously Graham mentioned it too, like he always plays for, you know, some money. Um, when do you start doing that? I mean, otherwise he said he felt kind of, disinterest from the game a little bit but uh like when did you start playing like for a little bit of cash here and there like were you 17 18 or yeah i think when i was uh some of the fiercest man <laughs> it's kind of kind of weird but uh shane swift chris schmidt and i were all juniors together and we played hundreds of rounds of golf every year in the summer those last few years of junior golf together and we always played for something and yeah whether it was a hot dog or a coke whatever we could afford you know a pitcher of coke that was six bucks and you only had five bucks in your pocket well i can't lose because i can't pay <laughs> so you find a way to win and uh it just became about competition and it wasn't even really the stakes of how much it was for it was just that we all wanted to beat each other yeah and then that sort of progressed into the next level which which was, you know, in the pros, uh, some guys just want to, some guys just want to win some money and, and other guys want to win the tournament. Well, I was kind of always, I wanted to win the tournament. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I don't know. I probably, I played a lot of golf in my twenties, uh, practiced a lot and, you know, I just, I expected a lot of myself at that time. So, yeah, I don't know if I learned to win. I probably learned to win mentally as well as physically with the skills. The skills got certainly got better as into my 20s and my late 20s. So uh, the, the Frank Fowler Award, I mean, for people that don't know, this award is awarded to the player with the stroke average, lowest stroke average in the order of merit. Um, you won that award in 2006 and was followed by wins in 07, 08, 11, 14, and 17. Yeah, just touch on that award i mean was that correct or was it a lowest stroke average yeah yeah that's our zones uh stroke average award uh yeah that, it's i think that shows my consistency if anything over time i i'd say yeah i just uh i played i played good golf for me for those those years and a lot of those times you know i won that trophy i i won it by a tenth of a decimal point over someone else like we we had a run there where we were playing really well and there was a group of five six seven of us that were that were pushing each other and uh you know i was fortunate enough to come out on top for that uh, particular award and uh i think the the one reason that one is a little bit different that award because it's it's an average of your scores yeah so and we get to throw away two of our worst so that one kind of always favored me a little bit because I'd always have a, those two or three rounds where I kind of go off a bit and go really low. And, you know, they could maybe affect your average a little bit more. 
So getting to throw away two rounds was always nice because I have I have a lot of blow up rounds. <laughs> so is that? But yeah, no, it was nice. It's it's uh, it was nice to win that. Well, and then uh, the is it your PGA champ like the Peter Kushner award? Is that that one correct? The Peter Kushner is our order of merit. Yeah, that's our order of merit trophy. Yeah, so you won. Oh, so Dean won that in uh, 2008, 2010, 2014, 2015, and 2017. I mean, like. I don't know. I mean, what's going through your mind in some of those events? I mean, down that stretch in the and in those years. Uh, the Order of Merit, I guess, was never was never really at the top of my list of things that I was. It's it's a it. Uh, I don't know how to say it. It's it rewards the guy who plays a lot of tournaments. Number one, so during those years there, obviously, I played a lot. So you know, I owe a lot of a lot of gratitude for Gord Burgess my, when I was an assistant. You know, Gordy understood that I liked to play, and he uh, he never once the entire time I worked for him ever questioned me about how much I was playing. Yeah, you know? that's pretty and, sweet. Yeah, and it is. And and sometimes you'd look at that list of stuff that I did in a year, and I go, "Holy smokes, I played a lot of golf." <laughs> you know, and then I said something to him one time, and he just looked me right in the eye. He said, "Dino." If I ever think you're playing too much golf, I'll tell you. (laughs) Okay. You know, like, you know, he, he understood me that that was my passion and, and I understood, you know, how fortunate I was to have a a boss that allowed me to play as much golf as I did in the tournaments that I did. And, you know, I still worked, I worked hard for Gordy and I, I've certainly put in my hours and I used days off to play tournaments, so there was lots of times where I didn't actually have a day off. We just work and play tournaments, and yeah, and uh, yeah. So our order of merit is really rewarded to a guy who's uh, who can who, who's freed up to play a lot of the events because you know I'm sure you know it on your SAS order of merit. Yeah, if you miss if you miss a couple of the events, you have no chance, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's not one that necessarily says who played the best it's just who was the most consistent and played over the course of the year so still it's awesome to win stuff like that because anytime you can beat your peers it's pretty pretty fun <laughs> uh so i want to ask some of your best memories of working at the roller john i mean you've, you've been there for a long time and obviously you mentioned gordy there too uh just mention some of the best memories that you can think of best memories oh there's been a lot of good memories out here i met my wife out here Oh, really? I got my, right. no, I guess I didn't get a, my first hole-in-one out here. Uh, got that stuff, Kurt. Um, <laughs> you know, I've met some fantastic people. If I, if I think about the friends that I've made over the years working out here, especially, you know, as 20 to 30-year-old, making friends with guys that are in their 40s and 50s and 60s, uh, you know, there's people that I've met at this facility that I never would have met if it wasn't for golf. You know, a perfect example is uh, Bane Enick. He was a great buddy of mine, Boondy, we called him. I took him to a lot of pro-ams. We played a ton of golf together when when I could. Uh, you know, it's, well, it's probably, uh, this will be 10 years since his passing, 2010. In June, he passed away lost the battle with cancer but i think of guys like bane and and guys that i've met out at this golf course and people i never would have met if it wasn't for this business it's a great place to network too it's such a great place networking it's such a great relaxed group of people out here uh 
tons of tons of great memories you know it's i've been here a long time so it's hard to pinpoint exact ones but um there's been a lot of good ones a lot of good ones you were inducted in the 2018 to Saskatchewan Golf Hall of Fame. Just uh, how special was that moment for you, Dean, and obviously your family? And just want to elaborate on that for us. <laughs> well, you know, I was uh, I was shocked when I found out. Actually, uh, I was uh, I was actually playing golf with my wife and my son when I got a call about it. Yeah, you know, I got a little choked up. Uh, it was uh, like I, I was shocked. I was like. I just didn't, I guess I hadn't really thought about what I had done in my whole career as a whole until that happened. Yeah. And I started looking back at it and going, you know, I guess start adding things up and see other people that are in there and you go, okay, yeah, I guess I deserve this. And it took me a long time to accept that I deserved it. I, I just wasn't quite sure about. Well, that's how humble it. you are, right? I mentioned that earlier that you're a very humble dude, so. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it's awesome. You know, I'm so proud of it. And, uh, yeah, it was, it's awesome that, uh, that I got to do that. Um, it was, uh, I guess uh, immediately I thought, well, Hall of Fame, that, does that mean you're done? Like, do they think <laughs> I'm toast and I got one foot in the grave and I'm on my way out here? Or... <laughs> then I started to realize that they wanted to, you know, make a change to trying to have more active guys going into the Hall of Fame so guys could, you know, they weren't Except at the it, end yeah. when they went in and they could they could play a bit and you could go out and other people could say they're playing with a Hall of Famer. and So, yeah, no, it, it was awesome. It was fantastic, you know. I had a ton of, over the, I started, I just started reflecting on everything, you know. It was probably, I found out in July, the ceremony was in September. I probably had like a good month and a half of just reflecting over the years on, on where I had gone with golf and what I had done and, you know, the sacrifices that you make. Uh, you know, I'm sure as you're aware, you know, you're playing some competitive golf. You know how hard you have to work to be competitive. Yeah. At this, at this game, you, you, you gotta be, you gotta be selfish to a, to an extent. And, uh, you know, my wife, Jana has been with me for a long time through all of this and she's, she's, put up with a lot of my shit over the years for lack of a better term. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we got two great kids now. Uh, what are their names? Yeah. <laughs> what are their names? What are their names? Well, my oldest son is Casey and, uh, listen up folks. Through no coincidence. <laughs> my youngest son is named drew and he was not named after you, <laughs> but, uh, you do share his name and, uh, and you know what? He's met you a few times, and he thinks the world of you, Drew. Right on. I appreciate that. <laughs> big Drew. That's what he calls you. Is Big Drew going to be at the course? <laughs> this episode of Off the Hosel is brought to you by Extreme Hockey and Sports and Umbrella Marketing Solutions. One stop for all your sports, marketing, and corporate team and sales. Come down and see Donnie and Daphne for all your sports and corporate needs. Or contact at this number, 306 539 6101 or email Donnie Uren at extremehockey.net. That's D O double N Y U H R E N at extremehockey.net. So, uh, I want to ask Dean, um, I mean, that, that's 
unbelievable, obviously. And then you've always told me to, uh, Drew, you, you, you can't cheat the game. So that's, uh, I mean, for you to be inducted in the Hall of Fame and, and now you're there and I did, I did the play with a Hall of Famer. It's pretty cool. And I've got to learn from you. Uh, I mean, not so much more touchy subject now. Let's move into uh, some of your favorite tournaments and any good stories from those those events. I need you to open up here, Dino, and tell us some uh, some good stories here. Maybe throw some guys under the bus. Throw some guys under the bus. <laughs> favorite tournaments that I played in. Yep, played in. Well, Oktoberfest is always good. Uh, I got my buddy Corey Cartouche comes in. Uh, he started. Uh, well, we started in the business together. He was over at the Wascana. I was here. We played a ton of golf. We were played uh, probably most of my cash games as a kid were against Corey. He he now is in uh, uh, Winnipeg at St. Charles. He's the head pro there. He's probably, if not the best, one of the top top club professionals in all of Canada. Uh, he's a real. He's actually he's gone from a friend to a business mentor in this business because he is so good at what he does. So he comes back and plays the fest every year, and uh, and we have a blast in that thing. The two of us out there acting like meatheads, like we're nineteen again, and <laughs> you know, raging at bad shots and high fiving at good shots and acting like a goof. <laughs> uh, other other things, you know, I've had some uh, had some doozy programs down south. Uh, we've been on some trips with the boys that uh, you know. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of good times had by all. Uh, some have better times than others. Uh, yeah, that kind of stuff is, uh, you know, what happens on the road stays on the road kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, good times, though. And then, you know, being uh, being uh, in the golf business, I'd say I probably run those tournaments that guys have all the deadly stories from that where things get out of hand. Like running our member guest, or we used to have the old Regina Golf Club Classic out here. Uh, those kind of tournaments that I've run, I've seen some guys have a lot of good times. I can't say if there's anybody that I really would. Well, just like I, we said off the record, like Benny Hebert said that uh, member guest is uh, one of the best he's been to. So, Well, that's good to hear. We take pride in our member guests, and we have a lot of fun. It's uh, it's two days. Uh, well, it's three days crammed into two. It, it you go hard from start to finish, and most guys need a vacation from their member guest when they're done. So yeah, no, we have a blast, and uh, our you know our PGA is such a tight knit group. Whenever we go go away to play tournaments, we have we have a lot of fun off the course uh, between rounds and stuff. It's good group. Some of the best players you got to play with, who? And uh, how just how good are they? And um, yeah, some of the best players. Yeah, you got to play with, or I mean, professional golfers or amateurs, or just guys that you got to play with. Well, obviously, looking back, Tiger's pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's there's not a bad. guy on my actual on my golf team down there, Tim O'Neill. Uh, you know, at the time, I was probably more impressed with him than I was Tiger Woods when I played with Tiger. Uh, Tim's unbelievable player. I, I can't believe he never made it on the PGA Tour. He had uh, a ton of backing there for a while. Uh, he was uh, well. I watched. I watched on the Golf Channel him make a triple bogey on the last hole of Q School to get his PGA Tour card. Uh, Missed by one. You know, it was heartbreaking to watch. I can't even imagine what he was going through. No kidding. Uh, you know, so 
he's a dynamite player. Uh, and I, I've played with a lot of played with a lot of really good players around here. Uh, growing up, Chris Schmidt was impossible to beat. Uh, once we got older, you know, as everyone had their run, you know, it's in amateur golf, guys have their runs when they have time, when they have time to pr- play and practice and they don't last forever. You know, when I was, my last year on the amateur scene, Dean Prosky was, you know, he was very, very good, you know, and then you get, life gets in the way, job gets in the way, kids and family, and it's not that these guys don't have skill anymore, they just don't have time to put into the game anymore. So you see cycles of guys that are really good. There's a ton of guys in this province that are very, very good golfers, especially when they have the time to put in. You know, right now, you know, uh, old Brad Phelps up there, he's he's pretty tough to beat day in and day out. Yeah, he's a stick. I, think, uh, I heard rumors he's going to be a senior this year too, so that senior tour better look out. <laughs> yeah, he's a hell of a yeah. player. Yeah. Scotty Knapp over uh, at Tour Hill there, well, he's retired now, but I don't think a lot of people in this province just realize how good Scott Knapp was. You know, Scott Knapp was right there. Scott Knapp has played tournament golf with the best players in the world like you know played in canadian opens played you know again scotty knapp's a guy who very close to getting on the pga tour at final stage a couple times without crazy things and one year he lost his golf clubs you know and in the 70s you lost your golf clubs the airline loses your golf clubs like you're you got serious problems because golf clubs aren't like they are today you know, yeah if you found a driver back then that worked for you well, there was no having another one. So, yeah, Scotty Knapp, unbelievable player. Uh, when I think back, boy, Corey Batts and uh, Brad Vinnick, when I first started out, were very good players. Uh, you know, David Simitizic up in Saskatoon, I didn't know him until he moved here at the tail end of his playing career. But uh, very, very good player there. He, you know, he's he would have a lot of good, good old war stories from the Canadian tour. He was out there for yeah, 10, 15 years. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of really good players here. A lot of really good players. Ty Wright over at the Wascana. You know, I played quite a bit with him when he was a member out here, and you know, he's a very good player. He's won, oof, he's won everything around here. Also a Hall of Famer too. Yeah. Also a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Also a Hall of Famer. Just went in last year. So, yeah, there's a lot. Kenny Rogers, Rick Lettingham, you know, tons of tons of good players. John McNall, another one of your guests, good player. Uh, but, yeah, if you uh, you get down into college ranks, there's uh, there's a ton of ton of really good players. So I played uh, played a couple of events on the Buy.com tour at the time. I was going to ask about that, too. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I played with uh, – played with will mckenzie at the one will mckenzie's won a couple of times on the pga tour now uh you know so i've seen uh i've seen the guys that are good and they're not that much better than our best players they just have more time more commitment to more sacrifice to uh to get to that level well i was going to touch on that too i mean obviously you played in a few canadian tour events and then you just said buy.com yeah i mean like if you want to just even a little bit more, like, like just how, I mean, you said they're not uh, as good as, let's just say some of the guys down here, but those guys are, that, that's their full-time job, hey? 
yeah, it, it's just another level. It's it's another level like the NHL is another level from the WHL. You yeah. know, someone who you watch a kid play for the Pats or play against the Pats, you go, wow, that guy's unbelievable, and then he can't crack a lineup. Yeah. Well, the, the, the jump is, is even more so from Canadian Tour to PGA Tour. Uh, they're just so good. And top amateur golf to the Canadian Tour, there's no comparison. Like the Canadian tour players are so good. It's the fields are deep. Uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to play in some events and been on the range and, you know, you end up, I ended up being a spectator half the time, you know, uh, it's just, you're out there and you're looking at guys around the range and, you know, I'm hitting balls beside the guy who's won two, three times on this tour. You yeah, know, I'm in the locker room, and my locker's between Guy Boros and Ricky Barnes. You know, like, they're two guys that I've seen on TV the year before. You know, it's, uh, yeah, those, they're, they're good. They're really, really good. And they just put in so much time. And, we, and you talk to those guys, or you hear interviews with them, and you get an idea. You know, they're out there for eight, nine hours a day on their weeks off. Yeah, never quit. Hours. They never quit. You know, that's why they're all taped up. They always got little injuries because they work so they hard, work. yeah. So it's a lot of sacrifice to get to that level. A couple more notes here before we go to the, the segment called yeah. Questions from the Gallery. Uh, how many course records do you have or know of, uh, where, and can you remember some of those shots that led to those numbers? Well, I got, uh, I've got a 61 here at the Royal. Mr. 61, I call you now. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I remember some of that round. I do remember the last hole uh, because, for whatever reason, I think it was probably the most the South Michael Wolfond. Everyone seemed to know what was going on that day, and uh, there was quite a crowd around the 18th hole when I got there. It was probably 30, 40 people, oh, which wow. was kind of weird. And <laughs> I. I, I, I had the course record at 62, so I know I needed to birdie the last hole and hit a wedge about six feet above the hole on 18, which is, as you know, is right where you want to be if you want to make a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> With about a foot of break in it. And uh, I remember hitting that putt, and it was in the second it left the putter. Wow. Uh, I remember that. The 60, I have a 62 at the Murray, which I believe is still the course record there. Uh and that round was really, I had two bogeys in that round. And uh, I also, on the last hole, had a 360 lip out. So, you know, that's the one in my head where potentially I could have had a 59. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, still 62 is pretty cool, but. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm happy with it, you know. Uh, I think I have, uh, I have a 62 in Yorkton. I don't know if that's the course record there or not. I did that in the Coors Light Pro-Am many years ago. And uh, at a 66 at uh, Evergreen, I don't know if that's still the course record there or not, or either. Uh, and then I had the course record at Dakota Dunes at uh, 71. Uh, when it first opened until the first year of the Sask Open when the Canadian Tour came to town. <laughs> so funny yeah. little story about that. I play the first round. I get in that Sask Open the first year, play the first round, you know, Kenny Rogers is caddying for me. Make a few putts here and there, chip in, just have this fantastic round. 
make a nice putt on the last hole, shoot 67, you know, proud of the Peacock 67, strolling into the clubhouse. And when you're uh, a local qualifier, you're in the last group the first day. So I tee off at two o'clock. So I finished at six 30 and there is no one around this place anymore. Dakota dunes. Yeah. And I come in, you know, chest out, blah, blah, blah. Mr. Local guy, 67, sit down at the scorer's table, uh, 67. Yeah. No, good round. He says, and then he puts it up and I look up on the board. T39 <laughs> with 67. Wow. I have 67 T39. I'm five shots off the lead, and 97 players beat my course record that day. Do you know who shot 62 that day? Well, I think it was your cousin, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, and then the next year, some guy shoots 61. I'm like, what has happened to this course? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's not an easy not track. <laughs> like, Apparently, it is. That just shows you how good those guys are. Yeah. <laughs> No, no kidding. And that's the Canadian tour. Those are the guys that can't make it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, uh, I would be happy too with 67 and whatever you shot the next day, 68, wasn't it? And then you missed the cut. No, I shot, I shot 73. So I shot four under for the two days and missed the cut by one. Oh, <laughs> um, these guys are good. Last question before, uh, yeah. the segment here. Um, what is one piece of advice that you could give a young golfer or an amateur that is trying to make it like, what's the drying like and how hard do you have to work to get there? Well, you, you know a little bit about this from hockey, but if you want to beat everybody else, you got to work harder than everybody else. Yeah. You got to hit more balls. You got to hit more chips. You got to hit more putts. Uh, you got to work harder than everybody else. There's a certain skill involved too. Like I'm not just going to say if you go and, especially with golf, because if you go and just groove the wrong thing, you're not going to get better. Yeah. You know, there's there's definitely a there's definitely a certain skill that's involved with uh, uh, with getting to the next level. Because um, you know some people just aren't physically going to get to to be a, to be a top top-end player if that's what you want so you have to be honest with yourself and understand your limitations uh you gotta man you gotta be able to putt the ball you know if uh, anybody who watches golf on tv the way they roll in 10 footers like they're two footers makes me sick i wish yeah yeah you just you gotta you gotta be able to putt if you want to get to that next level you just have to be and uh you know you, you really have to love the game because you're going to spend a lot of time on your own. You know, your buddies are going out to the bar Friday night at 7, and you're thinking, well, I'd love to just go party, but I should probably grind it out till dark and then go join them, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's it's uh, it's not an easy game to get really good at, uh, especially if you have ambitions of, of playing the game for a living. You know, it's I would hate to kid some somebody into you know saying that yeah you know if you work hard you can do it you'll get there well i can tell you how many balls i hit in my 20s uh, how much time i spent practicing and you know i had a cup of coffee on the canadian tour that lasted for four rounds and two events yeah and i played i was fortunate enough to get in through our zone exemption into those two nationwide tour events again you know out of my league. <laughs> but, well, you're right. You know, though, I mean, happy like, to be there. Like he just—it's another level. It's. You yeah, you're right. Hard, you got to be lucky. Look at Graham Dillette. Yeah. You know, he uh, he was on the verge of being done with golf. 
Yeah. And then wham, he just went off. He went on a 18 month run where he went from the Canadian tour to the PGA tour. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, you're right too, right? You, you, you can't just, okay, I'm going to be a PGA golfer tomorrow. Just like, no, you have to put the work in, right? I mean, you can't just, hmm, this, this, this would be nice, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, you have to work hard and yeah, you're hundred percent right though, Dean. Yeah. And, and you know, for you, for you amateurs, like your, your season comes down to essentially one tournament, right? Yep. Basically the SAS cam. Well, you got your whole summer to prepare for one tournament. Well, who knows if that particular week your back is acting up, you know, you got a head cold. You, you can't think straight. You just don't have it. And two weeks later, it's like golf sees his game in the world. So for the guys on the PGA Tour, if you look at a lot of them, 50 to 125, those guys make the majority of their money during their hot streak. They get hot. They go on a run for six weeks. They make three quarters of their money, and then the rest of the year they're just grinding to make cuts. Yeah. You know, the amateur side of it, you know, you've only got a couple of big events a year. If those aren't your week, then it, you got to wait till next year's event. Yeah, no, it's so very true. It's it's a tough grind mentally. It it can while well, you're aware, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know how you can talk to yourself when you're playing golf and it's not going well. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's move on here to questions from the gallery here. <laughs> First question: weirdest okay. thing you've seen on the golf course. What's the weirdest thing I've seen? Yep. Weirdest thing I've seen? Well, that was uh, mid-90s. I'm working in the pro shop here at the Royal Regina. Four guys come in the shop. They want a refund. They're bawling their eyes out. I'm like, what is going on here? So they're out on the fourth tee at the Royal. And for those of you who are familiar with the course, that's way out in the west end by the RCB training barracks. By their, uh, I have shanked your golf ball onto that track before. Yeah, yeah, everyone has. Everyone has. Anyways, apparently, RCMP guys are doing some sort of tear gas drill with their cadets, and all the tear gas gets caught up in the wind and blows onto the fourth tee when these four guys are there, and they get blasted with tear gas and can't play golf anymore. Was, Tough day to be those four. Yeah, it was, it was very weird. There's a lot of weird things that happened at the Royal, so... But that, that, I think, is probably the weirdest thing, if you want to talk weird. Why the visor and not a hat? <laughs> you can uh, rock it. Just want to know why. Buffalo head. What can <laughs> I say? When you're in the one percentile for fat heads, there's not a lot of hats out there that will fit or that don't squeeze your brain to death. And uh, visors, uh, visors seem to work. So, yeah, it's more of a necessity than a fashion thing. But, uh, yeah, I guess now it's kind of my thing. I'm the visor guy. Best part of your game and weakest? Uh, certainly my driver's been the weakest over the last four or five years. Uh, I don't have the control over that that I once did. Uh, best part of my game has always been my wedge game, 100 yards and in, you know, getting up and downs and making birdies. Salty and, mitts. Uh, yeah, you know, that's where you got to get the scoring done, so. Yeah, maybe there's a little bit of salt in these old bits. Who knows? Okay, so your ultimate golfer foursome. Who and why? Golfers? Yep. Well, I would. Uh, Freddie Couples has always been my favorite golfer. 
uh, Freddie and Ernie Els will be on that list. I think those are the two of the smoothest guys out there, and that's what I've always, I've always sort of pictured in my head when I'm looking for a swing thought is to swing like those two guys. And then uh, before some, I think I'd fill it out with Sevy or Greg Norman, but probably Sevy. I think uh, Sevy's fire and his his imagine, imagination around the golf course. I, I I would love to play it around the golf with Sevy. Three non-golfer foursome, and then uh, three celebrities. Non-golfer or and celebrities? No, so non. Uh, so three golf. So three non-golfers. Okay. And then three uh, celebrities. Celebrities. Wow. Are you a celebrity, Drew? Uh, no. <laughs> Up and coming celebrity. <laughs> uh, let's see. I would uh, non-golfers. I would go probably sports guys. I'd go with uh, Gretzky, Federer, and Marino. Oh. Uh, celebrities. What celebrity would I like to play golf with? Maybe Tom Hanks. I don't know. Tom Hanks. I don't know about Tom Hanks. <laughs> I don't know. What about? Uh, I don't know. Sly Stallone would probably be pretty fun to play golf with. <laughs> you know, gotta go with. Uh, oh, who else would I go with? Boy, you got me stumped on this one. We can Kirk move on Douglas if you want. Maybe? What's that? Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe Kirk Douglas. Maybe uh, celebrities, eh? Just wow, say someone random now. Right? How about Jim Carrey? You know who Jim Carrey is? I do. That's the only one I knew actually. Are those three? So we're gonna move on now too. Uh, okay, I've been watching a ton of videos on uh, social media today of guys hitting yeah. uh, golf shots off car pass, and it's absolutely insane how good it is. Your hardest golf shot you've ever had to hit. The hardest golf shot I've ever had to hit. Off a cart pass. hit it? Yeah, mate. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, sure. Yeah, yeah hopefully... okay. I got one, and I'm still shocked I hit it. But So I'm on the uh, I'm on the cart path on the right side of the number one hole on uh, Moon Lake. Uh, it's the par five around the lake. Uh, if you're familiar with Moon Lake Golf Course. Is that like the tee shot where I had to hit like the longest drive two years ago or last year? No, that's the first hole on uh, different nine. Okay. And I'm talking the par five that winds all the way around the lake. Okay, I have no idea then. Go on though. Okay. Anyways, I'm on the cart path. I got to go. I'm, my ball's on the cart path. My drop is in a horrible bit of weeds and dirt. I can't. I got to hit it off the cart path. I got to go over the bunker. And then I got to stop it on the green, on the down slope, and the lake is right there. <laughs> so I have no choice. I have to hit this thing, and I just happened to nip it perfectly, and it checked up and went to about, <laughs> I don't know, about three feet. Oh, wow. But, you know, off the cart path, I was thinking I was blowing that thing into the lake for sure. <laughs> was your club ruined or what? I had a little, little scar tissue on it, but that's... <laughs> That's acceptable when it pulls off the shot. <laughs> uh, your theory on pressing and how Mike Cylinder loves to press on 18 and possibly have a lot of open presses. Well, my theory on pressing is a uh, uh, little... Corey Tartuchin and I have this. It's 
We just play EAO, which is every available opportunity we press. Oh, wow. uh, it's just uh, it's just how we play. It's it's how I play, and you know, Silly loves the action. Silly's a big fan of getting as much open as he can so that he can get out of dodge in the last hole. Yeah, and uh, he knows where his strokes lie, and uh, you know, chances are if you're taking some heat from Silly on the last hole, he's got a shot, and you're gonna have to make a birdie to have his net birdie. So, and he'll be barking at you the whole time. And, <laughs> Blue light, green light, blue light, whatever. We've all been there with Silly. <laughs> yeah. Um, get money out of I'll give him that. <laughs> so I want to ask uh, one last thing here. I mean, any um, last thing you want to mention on here before we, uh, I let you go? Uh, no, I, you know, thanks for having me. This is awesome. I, I probably could have talked for hours. We got into some other subjects, so, uh, yeah, no, this is a lot of fun. I, I think you're doing a great thing here, and I think the the golfers of Saskatchewan are going to embrace it and uh, look forward to uh, to your uh, guests you got coming up in the future because I've heard you got some doozies. Right on. Thanks, uh, Dino, for uh, coming on, and we'll, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, Drew. Take care, bud. This segment of Off the Huzzle is brought to you by Brownie's Golf Shop at the Royal Regina, Southern Saskatchewan's premier custom club fitters. Using FlightScope and GC Quad technology, Brownie's Golf Shop will give you the high-performance club fitting you need for that new driver or set of irons. Offering a full line of clubs featuring Titleist, Ping, Callaway, TaylorMade, Cobra, and Srixen at the best prices. Brownie's Golf Shop, high-performance club fitting to help you enjoy the game. Contact Dean at RoyalRegina.com to book your fitting or yardage gapping appointment. There it is, the interview with Dean Brown. Really good interview. We get to touch on, uh, you know, where you know where he started uh, working at the Royal Regina, uh, his college experiences, um, also just working at the Royal in general for so many years now. He, he's been, as people know, he's one of the best around. Uh, just a good person in general, great golfer. Um, my old uh, swing coach, as you call him, you know, he helped me with my golf game. Um, tons of credit to Dino there. Thanks a lot. And I really appreciate Dean taking the time to do this too. It's uh, you know, taking time out of his day and coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Reminder, uh, we are on Facebook, Off the Hosel, Twitter page, underscore Off the Hosel. Like, retweet, share, get in there, comment. Um, also, we are on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. So check out those different avenues. And we will talk to you guys soon. Take care. <laughs>